Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome to Security Insecure, hosted by Johnny Seifert. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. And if you have the same mantra as me, then before we get to today's guest, please subscribe to Security Insecure whilst you're listening. And at the end of the episode, leave a five-star rating and a review. Now, let me tell you about my guest today. After training at Mount View Academy of Theatre Arts, he joined EastEnders in 2009, where he had relationships with most of the ladies in Wolford, including Stacey, Janine, Ronnie and Lauren, and the list goes on as Ryan Malloy. But as well as being the Lafare, he was also the bad boy and lasted two years on the show before he went on the run. But since leaving the show a decade ago, nearly, he's been treading the board, appearing in many West End and touring plays, including Shrek, Pretty Women and Wind in the Willows. So before he returns to EastEnders as his on-screen daughter Lily Slater and on-screen sister Whitney Dean both give birth on the show, he's touring the UK in Home Undarling. To tell me more and about just how crazy 2023 is going to be with him, I'm delighted to welcome to Supernitica. It's Neil McDermott. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Well, this is, this is the week of, of all the weeks. What on a week it's been for you. Obviously, it got announced last week that you're coming back to EastEnders. And it just went everywhere. That's amazing. I, did, I know. I had a Sunday or Monday there of a, a phone beeping, just an unbelievable amount of, uh, you know, friends and pals just sort of touching base, but then also just Twitter going absolutely crazy. <laughs> I always expect there to be some reaction, of course. It does surprise me quite often that it's just so popular. I remember because when I was actually on the show, as you said, like 10 years ago, we weren't actually allowed to have social media at the time. We were encouraged not to. For whatever reason, I don't know. But then shortly after I left, I think it sort of switched and the producers sort of said, you know, actually, I think it's a good thing for the show, for the cast to have social media and to promote the show and everything else. I haven't actually ever really been on the show when it's when I've had social media as well. So it's certainly an experience. Is that hard for you, though? Because, you know, the way I use social media, it's like a portfolio of my work. And so, you know, in EastEnders, when you've got so many episodes throughout the year, there's so many different character layers that you're playing that surely always make great clips for your social media to say to an agent look what i can do you know i can do the dark i can do 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I love, I can do all these range of acting and therefore I don't need to just have the best show real. I can have a bit of everything you can see. I think it would have definitely, I would have had many, many, many more followers <laughs> if, if I'd been allowed to have social media whilst I was on this show as a regular. 
uh, for two and a half years. And who knows what that does in this world? I'm not sure. I think probably having lots of followers makes you more attractive to employers. So yeah, it could have been helpful. But having said that, I'm not somebody who is desperate for that, to be perfectly honest, and try to let my work do the talking for me. And luckily enough, I've managed to sort of have a career without having hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, it's not been part of my remit, part of what I need to do to, you know, to be on social media all the time and, and really sort of trying to create content. That's not really what I do. But as you say, I it is nice to sort of put up the work you're doing and to be able to reach out to people and reach out to fans for sure. Well, let's talk about that in a little bit more depth because obviously you haven't come from that world of reality. And, you know, I've seen many TikTok stars cross over into TV and onto stage now because of their pulling and that free publicity that the shows are getting. You, you know, were traditional. You went to uh, Manville Academy where you trained to be a dancer and an actor and a singer. What was that life like in acting school? At school, I sort of, I probably started quite late for a young person getting into acting. I was about 15, 16 when I really started getting into it. Before that, I was just into sports, really, and played football for Chelsea till I was about 16. So I really thought that that's what I was going to do. And then that didn't happen for me. And I took the easier option of being an actor. Managed to be involved in something called the National Youth Music Theatre and from there went to drama school I actually did an acting course at Mountview so they have a musical theatre course and they have an acting course and I did the acting course but because it's a sort of musical theatre college you do you do singing lessons and dance lessons as well but obviously just not to the extent that the musical theatre course does so yeah I had three great years there really I think all these drama schools uh, you really just got to uh, like for people that are going to drama school now and auditioning and or at drama school just take like a sponge, take as much as you can from the teachers that are teaching you. There'll be some good teachers and there'll be some that maybe you don't connect with. I was lucky I had probably three or four that I really, really liked and took a lot from. Those are the ones that stick with me. And and then you get into your third year, of course, and you do your third year shows and you invite agents to come and watch. And my agent actually picked me up from, I, we did this thing called The Actors Musical. So it's a musical that the acting course do. And we did The Hired Man, which is a, great musical by Melvin Bragg and Howard Goodall and uh, my agent actually picked me up from that so she already had this kind of feeling about me that maybe I could do some musical theatre and uh, and do straight stuff as well so yeah I was lucky in that respect. And of course you know you are at a school that had alumnus such as Amanda Holden, Don Geller, Eddie Marza. What made it stand out because obviously we know about the Sylvia Youngs and the Anna Schurz but why do you think Mountain View Academy of Theatre Arts just stood there and had such alumni coming through it? There are a lot of drama schools now. And for me, I, I auditioned for a few. And the ones that I auditioned for, I auditioned for RADA. And then I auditioned for Guildford and Mountview. And at, at the time, you know, this is however many years ago, 20 odd years ago, I was looking for a school that had a bit of musical theatre with it as well. So Guildford and Mountview were quite high up on my list, really, because that's what they do. And I just had... A really good audition at Mountview. I really enjoyed the day, the way they set it up back then. And um, so it sort of took my heart, really. And I, I thought I, I can progress and do well here. The environment feels like somewhere where I feel like I can express myself and get as much out of it as I can. It was a little bit further away from home for me as well than Guildford. So that was a plus to be able to sort of, you know, as an 18 year old young man, get away and live away from home and kind of enjoy that aspect of it as well. Someone who is growing up into football, you're around lad, lad culture to also like musical theatre wouldn't have really been together. I can't imagine in the locker room you're all talking about going to a local theatre. So what was about the theatre that got you? And do you remember that first moment you went into the theatre and went, this isn't football. I know I've grown up my dad watching football, but this is just something special. 
Yeah, I mean, as a kid, like my dad would take us to football games. So we, I was actually born in Liverpool, so football really is mad up there. Where we were, I was taken to Everton games as an Everton fan, but my brother was a Liverpool fan, so we went to Liverpool games as well. And really, I remember as a young kid that that's all there was, really. Just kids, boy, young boys played football. That was it, really. Then we moved down south. I went to school in Kingston. And I just had a really good drama teacher at school. Uh, it was a guy called Frank Waitley, who's the brother of an actor called Kevin Waitley, who you may know from, like, Alfie the St. Pet many years ago. Frank was really good at getting kids into drama that maybe weren't naturally into it, if you know what I mean. So he would get all the boys that played all the sports, the rugby boys, whatever else, and try and get them involved in school plays and blah, 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 blah. And I suppose he was working with me on one of the school plays and stuff that I, we just had a laugh and just wanted to get involved. And he sort of nurtured me a bit and told me that I had a talent for it and had an ability to portray something that felt quite real or or be entertaining or whatever it may be. At our school, we were doing plays like Romeo and Juliet and The Tempest and Our Country's Good, as opposed to, I think, a lot of schools, certainly back then, were doing the Timpanales and Bugsy Malones of this world. So it felt like quite a good grounding when I was going to drama school, for instance, the young kids at 18, a lot of them hadn't touched Shakespeare, whereas I'd done a couple of plays. So, you know, really I owe quite a lot to him in the grounding of, of becoming an actor, I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, I was just was just lucky to be in a school with such a fantastic teacher. Uh, and then I grew to love it, of course. I did some musicals at the beginning of my career, because as I said, my agent picked me up from a musical. The choreographer in the musical at my drama school show was Bill Dima, who's a Olivier Award-winning choreographer now, and, and he got me into a show straight out of the drama school. I then went and did another one down at the Chichester Festival and did a couple of shows down there, playing the lead in one of their shows, one of them called The Water Babies, which was a new musical directed by Jeremy Sams, who then went on to direct Sound of Music, in the, at the London Palladium, the version with Connie Fisher that was on the telly, How uh, to Solve a Problem Like Maria. Uh, then Jeremy got me in to play Rolf in Sound Music. Um, so then I'd sort of been in a big West End musical. So it wasn't really a path that I thought I was going to take. It happened to me in a way. And um, of course, I was never going to turn down these great opportunities and great jobs. Went on and did La Cage Fall with Douglas Hodge playing our band, who went on to win the Olivier for it and then went to Broadway and won a Tony Award for it. So you know, working with an amazing actor in Doug and watching him work in a musical was incredible and sort of changed my thinking about how to approach musical theatre as an actor because that's really was my background, not as a singer or as a dancer, but as an actor. Obviously, I'm aware you, you have to be able to do all three to a certain extent, but there's certain roles that require a singer or a dancer and then others that maybe need a bit more acting chops, you know. So watching Doug was great for me. I then got to a point after La Cage Fall to say, actually, I want to just put a pause on this and see if I can do television work. And sometimes you have to say no in my business to be available. Theatre work, as you know, gets cast far, far, far in advance than telly work. So if you're constantly taking the theatre work, you're never available for telly work. So I sort of had to, me and my agent had a discussion and we stopped. And that's when the TV work started to come. So I did a few episodes here and there, did a Doctor Who and then got a series regular in a program called The Royal, which is um, a spin-off of Heartbeat, which we filmed six months up in Bradford. That series finished. I went on holiday with my wife and uh, came back uh, with an audition for EastEnders. And a few weeks later, after auditioning for that, um, they offered me a two-year contract. So how did you find that? You know, you're so much in an institution of 
going from show to show to show, audition, audition, got to sing, got to dance, got to act, do the show, think about the next role. And then suddenly you're put into a soap opera where I know you're only in it for two years, but the fact that you've got consistency suddenly, you know you're going to form word each day, you know you're coming home and you can start building your life away from thinking about I'm on tour, what's going on. You can just have some stability suddenly. Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest, it was an incredible feeling to be able to be offered that job. I remember being sat in my car outside my house when my agent called and just feeling totally elated to the point of almost like tears and stuff at the time because I just felt like, oh my God, my life is going to change, you know, because that's the power of the show and, and you know, good financial contract. Like you say, the stability of knowing where you're going and, and just the opportunity to sort of be able to play a character for that long, an evolving character, of course, not just do the same thing every night. I'm very, very proud of the work that we managed to achieve on the show while I was there, you know, working with Charlie Brooks, playing Janine for the majority of it. Charlie's a fantastic actress and we had a really good time telling really interesting, exciting, funny stories, hopefully stuff that the audience hadn't seen before, which I think sometimes is a bit tricky because relationships kind of repeat themselves. But I think what we managed to do was something new and fresh for Janine. And then obviously working with Lacey, who plays Stacey Slater, and my sister, Shona McGarty, plays Whitney. Those are the three actors that I worked with most on the show. So I was very lucky to work with three of the most iconic characters on the show. And even in 2022, 2023, they're still there. I mean, I know Janine's just left, but the fact that Lacey's still being there, Shona's been there, and they keep getting these amazing storylines, it's testament to the hard work, but also how, as you said, as an actor, you can keep developing over those years. But when you're on a show like EastEnders, you've also got fame. You know, you've got that celebrity angle of it. You know, Shona's amazing when she goes on to Children in Need and she's got the most amazing singing voice. I'd love her to release an album. But, you know, a lot of people, when you go on to EastEnders, you become a celebrity as well. And like you said, that time, it wasn't really social media. Right? You wouldn't be having to be on TikTok like you would now. But how did you deal with the fame of not just being seen as an actor that, you know... An audience member comes in, they watch you in the theatre, they go home, that's your job done. That You've got to always have your game on. You know, you've got the papers, the press will always think about you, where the paps are, that you're not just an actor now, you are a soap star. Yeah. And I think you always will be, to a certain extent, when you leave a soap, when you've been it for such a long time, be, be known as a soap star. And um, it can be a little bit of a battle to kind of reinvent yourself and, obviously the stuff that I've been doing since doing musicals and plays and, and whatnot I joined a little bit later on in life some of these guys like Lacey and Shona joined when they were kids you know so it's all they've ever known really they were like 15 16 when they joined the show so it's really young and it's all they've ever known I suppose for me I, I think you, there's two different types of ways of taking it you either just completely and utterly embrace it and do everything and just take it all at face value or, or, or you find it a little bit trickier and you kind of shy away from it a touch. And I think I was a bit like that, to be honest. I think I was probably somebody who would like to do my bit, didn't want it to be all I was. I just kept having this feeling that, you know, I'm an actor and I want to be able to do things after EastEnders and I don't want it just to be who I am as Ryan from EastEnders. I mean, that's why I left the show at the end of the day, to go and do other things and play other parts and work with different people because that's why I became an actor in the first place. That's what I learned at drama school and what I wanted to go on and do, you know. And I'm very grateful that I've had a career playing lots of different... It's not necessarily easy, but if I was to go ever back into a show like that in that situation, I think I'd be more keen to kind of just embrace the whole environment a little bit more and enjoy it. Like you said, you you know, that label of Ryan from EastEnders, when did you notice that stop? Because I saw you in Window of the Willows at the Palladium a couple of years ago, and I thought, 
oh yeah, I know Neil, he was in EastEnders. But I didn't really go, oh, it's EastEnders where I'm alive and Denise Welsh was in it. I wasn't like, oh, that's the character from Benidorm or from Lucerne or whatever. I was like, oh, it's Denise Welsh. When did that label go for you of going, I'm Ryan from EastEnders to it's Neil McDermott in another play? Well, for me, you know, I, I never really labelled myself. So it's, it's about where it disappeared for other people, I guess. And it's not something you control or work on. Um, you just go on and do good work wherever you go and try and play good parts if you're off, lucky enough to be offered them. And then it's other people's opinions, isn't it? You know, I tried to shake it quite quickly in my own head. I did like 13 months on Shrek the Musical playing Lord Farquaad. I felt very much like Lord Farquaad playing a dwarf on my knees for like 13 months than uh, anything else. So, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that question and whether it really matters. I just try not to think about what other people are thinking about me, if you like. Try and get on with my career and, do, and enjoy it and do the best I can. Well, it's interesting because you look at someone like Sarah Lancashire, who obviously is in Happy Valley, and everyone's like, oh my God, Sarah Lancashire, most amazing actress. And then there are people now who are going, what, she was in Coronation Street, she was Raquel in Coronation And it's that label of, you are a soap star. And we know that soap stars are the hardest workers, and like we said, the schedule, the storylines, it's a lot to be a soap star. But yet there's still this... I don't know, snobbiness about being in a soap. I don't know how to describe it, but did you ever face that after when you came out going, well, he's just an EastEnders actor, or he's from a soap, like, how can he go and do a bit of singing and dancing, or is it quite easy to fall back into it afterwards? Well, well, funnily enough, with musical theatre, you don't have that problem. They don't seem to, it doesn't seem to be an industry where they worry about that at all. Um, they, you know, quite a lot of soap stars, if you like, or actors who are in soaps, come out and get into musical theatre as long as they're able to do it, you know, uh, and are good enough then they can find that path. I think it was more tricky to do British TV, uh, dramas, and I have to say plays as well. It took a little bit more shaking, I think. Um, I remember my agent at the time, and I, it was a different agent, and I don't know if I fully agree with this, but they said to me, oh, you're going to have to just wait a couple of years now for people to forget that you were in EastEnders, which I've sat very uncomfortably with me, and I don't know if I absolutely agree with it and just think it was poor agenting. But anyway, it's... Um, something that was said to me and, and all my auditions once I left drama school were for American TV and American films and quite often playing Americans. I felt like I was in a circle of people, great auditions, by the way, for fantastic things, but up against American actors quite often or high profile British actors. And that I found it very tricky because I just couldn't get the parts. So it didn't really matter how well I acted, maybe my fame, if you like, or what I'd done before wasn't serving me to make people want to take a punt on me and I really wanted to look after my own career so I ended up moving agents again and saying listen I need to concentrate on my theatre career it's really important to me that's the sort of path we went down so that I could work really. Well let's talk about your work now let's start with Home I'm Darling you're playing Johnny great name by the way great name to have what's the show about <laughs> it's a big show that's come in, has made a big comeback. It's quite a tricky one to explain without giving away the premise of the story however I will try so it's a play about a couple, G Judy and Johnny. I suppose it's about a, a nostalgic play, thinking about the, the way we lived our lives in the 1950s and whether or not um, those, uh, the way we, we lived back then or people lived back then in this country could be moved forward into a modern environment and would it still hold like to be able to live your lives like that or, or what sort of cracks and breaks that might occur and in relationships if it was in today's society I think that's the crux of what the play is about but the writer Laura Wade 
is so clever that it's about so many more things than that. And it's also very funny. You know, it's an Olivier Award-winning comedy that was at the National Theatre and with Theatre Cluid. So it's a very funny play, first of all. But then it, it sort of, as the play goes on, it sort of revealed. I was tra- talking to somebody at the school gate just a minute ago who came to watch us in Windsor last night because I live very close to where we're performing at the moment. And she was sort of saying that the show just constantly shocked her. Almost every scene, there was something that she didn't expect to happen or she thought was going to go one way and then it switched and went another. And that's just a testament to Laura's writing, really. It could be a little bit about the stuff in there, like about the Me Too kind of movement, sort of unintentionally, I think, or, or even about Brexit. I feel quite strongly that the play is about a woman who chooses to kind of close the walls in on herself out of choice and what that does to her and her personality and how that affects their relationship by she's a housewife right who wants to stay at home and it kind of stops her from having lots of social interactions with lots of people and it has an effect on her mentally and therefore on their relationship and therefore on my character's work life uh, and how well he can do at work because these things as the play goes on this happy couple we see there's lots of cracks along the way and and they have to try and find a way of resolving it, and it's whether they do or not. Great, really well, interesting. Get tickets from ATP website. Find out where your local theatres. I love a good play. That sounds brilliant, mate. I'm going to be coming to see it. Let's talk EastEnders as well, really quickly as well. Obviously, you're making your big comeback. Have you filmed it yet, or is it to be filmed? Yeah, so I've done it all. Yes, yeah. so, you know, you get that phone call, and it's whether or not you you're available and everything else. And thank my lucky stars this time around, I was available, and I squeezed it in. For a couple of weeks before I started rehearsals, so I finished filming on a Friday and started rehearsals on a Monday. So I was very, oh very God. lucky that I was able. And to what was it like day. going back? The old set's been knocked down, the new set's all bit up. Was it like going home to home, or were you like it's new, it's same, but it's a bit different? I mean, they've, they've actually got a completely new set, but it looks exactly the same. <laughs> it just felt really, yeah, that I couldn't believe it. It'd been so long, to be honest. And so many people in the makeup team and, and the costume department I knew and were still there. Obviously, the cast and the people I was working with, you know, Shona and Lacey and, and maybe Jesse, who plays Kat, and then got to meet Lilia, who plays my daughter in the show. Yeah, it was just a really warm and nice feeling to be able to go back and do that, really, and revisit Ryan. I always think for a show like EastEnders, you constantly wonder what other characters are up to who aren't on the show, as long as they're still alive, right? So, And they have connections to the show. So, you know, Ryan's up in Wakefield with his wife, Helen, and what are they doing? You know, and I think that. So audience members, I think, think that as well. To be able to just to touch base with him and bring him back and uh, be involved in a really big storyline for a young actress, you know, quite controversial in some respects, a great opportunity to tell a really unique story, I think. And what about with Shona's character, Whitney? Because obviously they've got their own issue-led story as well with the Edward syndrome. How does Ryan deal with her? Yeah, so Ryan obviously knows that she's pregnant when he comes back, but he doesn't know the situation. And it's something that he learns whilst he's there. And so I won't give anything away. But, um, you know, he's got this situation where his daughter's pregnant with his grandchild and his sister's pregnant with a niece or nephew. So he's kind of juggling lots of things and his own ulterior motives as to why he's back on the square as well. Uh, sort of treading on eggshells a little bit with everyone, trying to get the best resolution for himself and and for everyone around him, in his eyes anyway. It's just how well the Slaters and and Lily um, will welcome him. So that that's for viewers to watch, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, like you said, Helen, the creator, Chris Tenshaw, who creates these lenders, has brought this character called Helen, with obviously that body being there. Is the return on the cards? Is Ryan going to come back with Helen? Are we going to see you, Neil, back? Obviously, you're on tour now. 
but six months down the line, are we going to see you return to EastEnders? I move home, I'm darling, until May. Um, so we'll see what happens after that. So if the, you know, with, with a show like EastEnders, it, it has to be right for them. It has to be right for me. So if if they want to tell stories involving Ryan, I'm sure they'll be in touch if it works for what they want to do. Uh, and if they do, um, I always welcome the call. So it will depend where I am and what I'm doing and what opportunities I've got in front of me. It's certainly something that I'll always be interested in. And it's always really lovely to go back and see everyone, uh, whether I can do it for a longer period. We you just have to see it. It's certainly something that I, I would be interested in if, if it was right for everyone involved. Well, you've got two kids now. You've got a wife. You know, you're, you've got the family set up. Would you go, if EastEnders said to you tomorrow, look, we want you back, we want you for a year, do you want to have that commitment? You know, like we said at the top, the financial stability, the fact you know what you're doing, you're not going to audition all the time, or you like, I don't mind popping in and out, but also I'm an actor at heart. I want to keep playing new parts. I want to keep challenging myself. Yeah, it's a really difficult question to answer because I just don't know what the next opportunity for me is after Home and Darling, but um, EastEnders is a great opportunity and um, if it's presented to me, then it's certainly something I'd consider seriously. You can see Neil McDonough as Johnny Home Undarning all around the UK. For tickets, visit ATG Tickets. And you can see which dates between now and May are nearest to you. And Neil is back on EastEnders very, very soon. And if you love EastEnders like me, On Screen and Secure, episode 100 was marked with Neil's on-screen ex-brother-in-law, Sid Owen, who just finished another stint on the show as Ricky Butcher. And if you love EastEnders like me, On Screen and Secure, give it a follow, subscribe, leave a review and a five-star rating. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Johnny Seifert. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.